say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and holy cow is this going to be a great show. Listen, if you are into sales, if you are into marketing, whatever it is that you are doing in your business, here's the question that we have for you today. Are you doing it ethically? Silence? Silence? From everybody in the room? Ethically? Yeah, did you know that ethically... You can build profit. What, Jay? Do you know what you're saying about salespeople? Yeah, I know, because you know why? I've read the book. His name is Joel Malkoff. The book is entitled Selling Ethically, A Business Parable Connecting Integrity with Profits. Oh, folks, what a great story. And it's his story, and it is absolutely fantastic. I'm telling you, there are gems that we are going to talk about today with Joel, and it is fabulous. It is just one of the best books on ethics and ethically selling that you will read. I'm I'm just telling you, it's an eye-opener because you know what? It's not about the letter of the law. It's about the spirit of the law. you got to go above and beyond, folks, and we are going to talk about all that with Joel. But before we do that, right? Let's do this. You know what we do every week, right? I walk you through the four areas of your life because we are four-part people. And I ask you, how is your training going in the four areas of your life? What do I, what do I mean by that? What I'm asking you is, look, we're physical, mentally, emotional, spiritual people, right? So how are you doing getting your training on par with being able to withstand the stress, the, 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 the the distress, the, the the um exhaustion, you know, may, maybe it's just overwhelming you, right? Because here's what we learn from all those, you know, special operations forces veterans, and you know what that is, right? We do not rise to the occasion; we lower ourselves to the level of our training, right? And so, if we are not working every day on the four parts of ourselves, that physical, mental, emotional, spiritual piece, you know what? We're we're, we're actually we're not growing; we're dying. Because you, there's no such thing as holding your own. There's no such thing as being static. All right. So we're going to talk about how. Do, what are we going to do to get our training up to the level that we need to do? So what I'm going to ask you is, where's your training at now? And then what are we going to do to change whatever it is? So physically, on a scale of one to ten, one being awful, ten being outstanding. How would you rank your physical training? And what I mean by that is, how well would you rank yourself in terms of exercise, in terms of getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, eating the right things, maybe taking some vitamins, maybe, you know, going to the dentist and getting your teeth cleaned. Some people, you know, have been neglecting some of those other things, maybe getting a physical. If you were to rate yourself and put those all together and rate yourself on a scale of one to 10, five being average, how would you say you're doing in your training? Now, Whatever that number is, it is, all right? But what I want you to do is I want you to look at that number. I want want you to really be honest with yourself and say, well, why am I that way? And then be even more honest with yourself and say, what am I going to commit to right now to change that number? Right? Is it going to be, you know what, Jay? I'm listening to the show and I'm sitting in my kitchen. I need to get up. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to you on a walk. Awesome. And I'm grabbing a great big huge bottle of water on my way. Awesome. And by the way, throughout every bag of chips I had in the house. Awesome. And and I just cut up my McDonald's card. Great. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. All right. 
All right, so you got one number. That's your physical number. Next number is your mental number. What I mean mentally. What are you doing to be an active participant in your mental growth? Meaning that what are you doing to improve yourself and your knowledge, your wisdom, and your understanding in regards to maybe your job or your profession or yourself personally? What are you doing to enhance yourself actively? I don't mean sitting in front of a TV and letting it come at you. I'm talking about you being an active participant and actually growing in some way mentally. By the way, it doesn't have to be that way. You, you know, it could be learning a foreign language because that exercises both halves of your brain. That's a great thing to do. It could be taking up an instrument, right, that you've always wanted to play. It could be taking a class at a local uh, community college online. There's a variety of ways that you can improve yourself mentally. Just don't be sitting on a couch wanting, watching TV. That's not, that's not being active. You know what that is? That's being a mental loafer, all right? Right, and a mental loafer is one one or two letters away from being a meat loafer, right? Because nobody wants you to be a piece of meatloaf, right? Yeah, I know that's kind of funny. So on a scale of one to ten, how would you evaluate your your active mental training, right? Five being average. And same two questions: Why are you that way? And then what are you going to do to change it? Right now, maybe it's read a book. Maybe it's read this book by Joel Malkoff, right? Not a bad book. It's called Selling Ethically. You could do that. Quick read. Right, dig into it. All right, that's two numbers, right? You got physical, mental. Now, let's go to the emotional. Emotional, there's really just two two things that I really want you to focus on in terms of your training. How well are you able to control your emotions under stress? Right, that's the first one. And then, how well are you able to tap into the emotions of others and truly understand them, and really want to understand them and listen to what they have to say? So often what we do is we do not understand that we have complete and total control over our emotions, that we are in absolute choice mode of what emotions I want to have. Didn't say it was easy. But we've got to stop blaming circumstances and people and things for how we feel. Because I get to choose how I feel. And that's intention. You want a secret? You want a secret? I learned a secret uh, book I read uh, read by uh, a rabbi, of all people, Daniel Lappin. You know what? He said, 30 days. You know what I want you to do? I want you to go ahead and I want you to write down, first thing you wake up in the morning, between five and ten things that you're grateful for. Right? And write it down. Guess what? When you check on them later in the evening, regardless of what's happened to your day, guess what? They're just as true. That's how you change your emotional outlook. Because you change that in terms of being grateful. I've been doing it now for years. It's one of the best exercises I've ever done in terms of being able to control my emotions because I constant, want to constantly stay in gratitude. Right? Then the second thing is you know, really being intentional about really understanding how somebody is emoting with you in a non-judgmental way. Right? Can you identify that emotion and then relate to it? Right? How well would you say you're doing in your training? And we're in constant training when it comes to our emotions. Scale of 1 to 10, average is 5. Then what are you going to do to change? Okay. Then the, the fourth area, right? That's the spiritual area. And you know what? We are all spiritual beings. Whether you want to believe that or not, there is the spirit of a human being that lives and thrives. You know, if you talk to any one of those special operations forces guys, you know what? When they're in the middle of an 18-hour firefight, right? There's something inside them that goes beyond what their body and their emotions and and their and their mind tells them. It's something inside them that wants to live. It's spiritual. You know what? You get you're getting up tomorrow because there is something tomorrow that you desire. That's faith. And faith is spiritual. 
There are things that touch you in a way that nothing else touches you, and it goes way beyond emotion. That's spiritual. There are there are ways to bring yourself back to center. There are ways to bring you back to a sense of peace. There are ways that bring you back to a sense of contentment in the midst of chaos. That's spiritual, not emotional. So how is that working out for you on a scale of 1 to 10? And then what do you need to do to change it? All right? So think of those. You got those four numbers, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. You got to think of those as the legs of a chair, right? If those are those those four legs of chair, if they're uneven, right, it makes it really bad on our posture. At the same time, if what we find is that, you know, that chair is too low, right, what happens is it's hard for us to get the right nutrition sitting at the right level of a table, right? So we want to bring them all four up together and in balance. And speaking of somebody who does that, his name is Joel Malkoff. He is a business executive, entrepreneur, author, and a student of business ethics. I think he's more of a guru. He is really known as the ethics giver. He, he is a successful business executive, entrepreneur, author, as I've stated. Over the course of his 45-year career, Joel has generated more than a half billion dollars in sales, proving that ethical business conduct isn't just the right thing to do. It's a key to advancing business objectives and enhancing profitability. He's also an opinion columnist for the CEO World Magazine. Joel is a native of Brooklyn, New York. He currently resides in Avon, Connecticut with his wife, Lynn. And of course, you will be able to learn more uh, on the website by going to theethicsgiver.com. Please, everybody, welcome to the show and welcome to A New Direction, Joel Malkoff. Joel, welcome. Thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate you having me on your show. And uh, it was so excellent to listen to the four tenants. They were uh, they were perfect. Very enjoyable. <laughs> thank, thank you. you know, very the, meaningful. You know what? It's something we do every show to get everybody to check in. And of course, you know, we're worldwide. And so uh, people check in all over the world and how their training is going because in the midst of this pandemic, right, things are not normal. And so uh, we try to uh, get people to realize that even in the midst of all of this, we have choices that we can make that can always better ourselves. And so that's why we do it. So thank you for that compliment. That's very kind of you. Uh, let's let's just dig into this book. This book is called Selling Ethically, A Business Parable Connecting Integrity with Profits. And I have, as I was going through this, this uh, parable that you've written, the first thing, I, I have a number of things that stood out, but one of the first things that stood out is when you're a young salesperson right out of college, it is so easy to be influenced by your first sales mentor. So, yes. so how do we, what do we need to do in terms of not just the mentor, not just the mentee, but the mentor? What advice would you give in terms of a young person who's coming out of college and is going into sales and then maybe the person who's about to be the mentor of that person? What advice would you give? It's a, it's a difficult situation. When I graduated Pace University in, uh, in New York City, I was very idealistic, um, and I graduated with a business degree. In terms of universities, even today, they don't really address sales. It's, uh, at best, they'll address marketing. Sales seems to be more of a, an art than a science. So the first time you get your real sales job, um, you're hanging on to your uh, – sales manager or the owner of the company. Uh, in my case, there was the oil crunch in 1973. So uh, it was difficult to get a corporate job. So I wound up uh, taking a job after uh, four years of college uh, selling cars. Um, 
So going into that industry in 1973, my first boss, who was um, a captain in World War II, a very disciplined person, uh, but he had very strong ways about selling. And uh, car sales is very uh, manipulative. So um, I fell under his spell. And I think after four years of college, when you fall under spells of uh, professors, you know, it's just one other person that you kind of uh, listen to. Same way if um, you join the military and it was your trainer. So uh, I learned the wrong things. Uh, and I learned uh, bait and switch, luring, uh, manipulating customers through fear, um, many things that are clearly unethical. Um, but to sell was a short-term sell also. So it's a one shot. The person walks in the door, you close the sale. You don't count on somebody coming back. Mm -hmm. So you're not really developing a long-term relationship either. Um, how do you get around that? Um, I'm not sure. You know, it, it seems to be probably a matter of uh, uh, realizing very early that the person you uh, might admire on different fronts is dealing uh, very ethically, not very ethically. So probably if I could take a step back, it would be uh, much more reading on my own about right and wrong of selling and not following my first boss as uh, gospel. So one of the things that one of the things that intrigues me about you know this the story and then of course being a young salesperson because I you know this is a you know going to go into podcast and so we have a lot of young people who are in college or just recently out of college and of course you know a lot of times their first job is a sales job how do we how do we give them enough how do we inspire them with enough courage that's the right phrasing to be able to look at their situation honestly and with enough integrity to say i need to get out because i know what i'm, I'm in is is wrong how, how do we how do we inspire that uh, it's it's difficult. Much of that uh, winds up being your own personal environment. I grew up with um, blue collar workers. My mother uh, working in New York. My father driving a truck. Uh, so I achieved a lot of uh, integrity growing up. But I also grew up in a very uh, tough neighborhood of Brooklyn. Um, so through my peers and friends, uh, we did things that weren't as ethical as it should have been. So my very foundation when I walked into my first job was not as solid as I would have liked. Mm. Um, I think if I have to take a step back, it's really understanding more of the uh, ethical foundations from a personal point of view and a business point of view. So I think the key is really personal. I think if you're um, God-fearing, you have some good integrity, you understand uh, the golden rule. If you really um, understand from the point of view of you wouldn't want anything done to you, um, so you wouldn't want to do that to someone else. With that premise in mind, um, that would give you the right kind of foundation. So it would be empathy. Mm. Uh, when I first entered the uh, car business, um, it wasn't that mentality. The mentality was, let me do something to them before they do it to me. <laughs> so it was very adverse. It wasn't a good buyer-seller relationship. I think if I had to look back, if I had a stronger uh, ethical background, uh, if I understood my principles better, um, I wouldn't have fell into the trap of uh, unethical sales and business behavior. You know, one of the things 
that as you're as you're talking and as I'm thinking back on the book and I'm you know, I'm looking at my notes you know from the book, one of the things that pops out at me is that you know what if we thought through the the lasting repercussions repercussions of what we're doing as a salespeople and and when I say that it's because you know in your book it kind of brings us out a little bit you know if we were to think ahead like if we're acting in an unethical way or even in an ethical way what are the consequences of that buyer based on what we just did right i mean if it's, we uh, right, yes. right i mean I, isn't isn't that kind of the uh, I, I think they use the parable of uh, the the rock would you put a rock in front of a blind man or the wagon wheel maybe I think was one of the, yeah, yeah. was the parables that they used but if we were to really play out and as a salespeople and even in our marketing by the way and we'll talk about marketing here in a few minutes but right I mean it, it really it really we really should think about you know okay what are going to be the future consequences for this buyer down the road right? Yeah, that, that really is the key, and that's where it's pointed out uh, in my book so clearly. If I if I had the empathy, if I really understood at that period of time the consequences of my actions, uh, as long as you have a heart and soul, you wouldn't be able to do anything unethically. Right. So I think the key is really the consequences. It's really be able to uh, empathize, understand what that buyer is uh, going through and realizing if you do something unethical, it's a long-term concern. You know, my book uh, takes place where I'm on trial in heavenly court. So I'm kind of going back in time and visiting the things I've done and I'm seeing the consequences of my actions. So then it's the realization of how I hurt people. And it's also my observation by going back in time and seeing that kind of pain, um, and understanding it. And that that's really the key. Uh, when you can align your business ethics with uh, your sales goals, then you can achieve profitability too. Because the purpose of my book is about business people achieving profit. I'm not, uh, I'm not a religious preacher. I'm not trying to sell anybody religion. Uh, but I do believe in the goodness and the golden rule. And that is a way to achieve uh, a good business ethics. But I'm looking to attract business people to read the book. So the goal needs to be, how are you going to make a profit? So the focus is, if you get repeat business, if you can get referral business, if you can save less money on advertising because you have a good long-term relationship with an existing customer rather than trying to uh, sell new people, you're going to make more money. So the goal is there's profits through selling ethically. Well, it, it gets bigger than that, right? Because, you know, we build reputation with our integrity, right? So yes. as we build, as we, and you point this out in the book, as we build our reputation with integrity, well, that just leads to greater referral business. Nobody is going to want to refer somebody who has no integrity. Correct. Right? I mean, I mean, if we think about this from the opposite standpoint, right? I mean, I, 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 I've said this when I, when I'm, out speaking, uh, depending on which groups I'm speaking to, but you know what? We don't give our money to people that we don't trust. We don't trust people that we don't like, and we don't like people that we don't know, right? And yes, and it really is true that you know there is a likability factor, but that likability is integrity in that what we're going to do, what we say we're going to do, 
that we do it consistently every time, right? I mean, there that that's part of why this this whole idea of ethical selling can be explosive, right? Because you're not just making a sale and moving on to the next person because now you don't care anymore, right? You, you, you're you're yes. it's it it becomes bigger than right because that's how we blossom it. Yes, uh, uh, totally agreement. I I think the. Uh, the black and white, somebody uh, with integrity, somebody without integrity. No, we're not going to do business with someone that mm. has no integrity and no business ethics. But it's that gray period where um, the person seems to be an okay person, um, your average salesperson, not trying to um, cheat you, uh, some degree of ethics. But is that enough to build a long-term relationship? Is right. that enough for that person to give you a referral? to give you repeat business, to give you more orders. I think the key at this point is to go beyond the letter of the law and the spirit of the law to show that customer that along with integrity, uh, there's a fairness and goodness to you mm. where you really have their empathy and their their desires. So it's really to bring your business to the next level uh, beyond the good and bad, uh, kind of get it to the very good. You know, you're a person that uh, your customer wants to do business with because you're really looking out for that person's interests, even beyond your own. So it's going through the spirit of the law, if you will, rather than just the letter of the law. His name is Joel Malkoff. The book is called Selling Ethically, a Business Parable Connecting Integrity with Profits. You're listening to him here on a new direction. Hey, folks, you know what? I keep talking about these great sponsors that we have, right? Epic Physical Therapy, right? They they are just amazing. I stop in there. I see the owner, Heidi, and her husband, Andrew, and all the staff. Man, they are so amazing. I watch what they do and how they provide such great, great therapy for a variety of different problems, whether it's professional athletes, whether it's high school athletes, whether it's just everyday people who've had surgery and they're trying to get back to work. Maybe it's an maybe it's an injury that they're just fighting and it's just nagging at them. Sometimes there are people in there who are just getting kind of a, a better way to work out and get some better nutrition so that it can move better. That's Epic Physical Therapy. That's what they do. Because you see, here's the deal. They provide a customized treatment plan that's tailored to your individual needs. It's not a group plan. It's about you. All right. That's what makes them so amazing and so great. And you know what? Because they work with elite professional athletes, right? They really do understand how to take care of your body as a functional whole, not just your symptom or your injury. So when you're ready for your epic relief, when you're ready for your epic recovery, when you're ready for your epic results, right? You start with epic physical therapy. That's epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And, of course, our longtime sponsor, Linda Craft and Team Realtors. Look, here's the deal. She has been making relationships with people since 1985. Yeah, that's why she is able to help people worldwide. Here's the other piece. She doesn't belong to a national company. She is a locally owned private company that has established relationships and maintains them for 35-plus years. Right, whether that's a realtor in another country or whether that's the people right here in Raleigh, North Carolina, a better one known as the Research Triangle Park. Right? This is the deal, right? She understood that the relationship is absolutely fundamental to business. 
right? I mean, it's also our memories when it comes to the houses. And that's why she combined understanding that really it's about the people. You're never going to remember your grandmother's price that she paid for her home, but you'll remember the times that you had there because it's the memories, it's the relationships, and that's who she is. So if you want the relationship memory-making realtor, you know, don't look any further. Look at Linda Craft and Team Realtors, and you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction, and we're talking with Joel Malkoff and his book, Outstanding Book, Selling Ethically. This is a, a parable. It's absolutely fantastic. I enjoyed reading it. It was it was so much fun, and I've pulled out all sorts of um, interesting little pieces that he gives you along the way in his story. Um, I want to I ask you, Joel, um, about uh, the idea of you on page 31, yeah, that's all the further we've gotten. Um, <laughs> a, you say a person becomes desensitized when performing dishonored, dishonest behavior repetitively. And I found that to be an interesting statement because sometimes I think what happens is we can be uh, numb to the fact that we're being ethical because we continue to do it over and over again and we no longer have that uh, thing inside us that triggers us to say, well, Maybe this isn't what I should be doing. How do we change that? Yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Uh, first, I really like the approach of both your sponsors. I like that holistic approach to doing business. So uh, thank you for thank sharing. You. That was interesting. Thank you. Um, I think from um, from a point of view of uh, lowering your ethical point, when you uh, continue to do unethical things, uh, it becomes a reality. I mean, every time you do something wrong, it becomes easier to do it uh, the next time wrong uh, because you lower your ethical point. Um, it's the same way you were talking before about if you're not adding, you're subtracting. That was a Talmudic statement. So uh, when you talk about raising a chair or raising a bar um, to your audience, it's, it's the same thing here. If you're not adding, you're subtracting. So if you're not constantly uh, improving your ethical level, you will be reducing your ethical mm. level. Uh, how do you get around that? It's it's a very, uh, you're always challenged. You're challenged every day. So every day I do business now, I'm, I'm running a medical device company. Um, I'm exposed to ethical issues uh, a dozen times a day. I have to make those decisions. Um, as I get wiser and I learn more about ethics, it becomes, uh, it becomes a good deal easier. From a salesperson's point of view, there was a study that came out uh, two years ago and it actually uh, tracked uh, salespeople losing their ability to have empathy when they're trying to sell because of unethical behavior. Mm. So you become more callous. I thought that was so amazing how um, not only from uh, a spiritual ethical point of view, if you're becoming less ethical uh, in general, your whole bar is getting lower, but it also reduces your sales capabilities to be able to perceive a customer's needs because you're getting more callous mm. you know that a clinical trial amazing yeah that's interesting because i i know as someone who has coached um a variety of businesses and salespeople, i have seen really good people not even realize that what they're doing is unethical and then when you call them yes. on it right they they go that's not unethical that's that's not enough i matter of fact i'll tell you where i see it a lot believe it or not is linkedin i see people who will 
uh, approach um, approach me with an email, that is really nothing to do with really wanting to establish any sort of relationship. I am just a number to them. And and so they don't care. It, they just move on. It's basically the, the new version of cold calling where yes. we basically throw, you know, if you don't want to do anything with me, fine, I don't, you know, care. And then they just hang up and they move on and you're, you, you are meaningless to them. And, and that, that's, that's not what we should be doing with people. Right. No, I, not at all. It's, uh, it's cold. And, uh, in a sense, cold calling is uh, <laughs> yeah. extremely difficult. And even now, uh, with, um, the pandemic, there's, there's less and less face-to-face selling. So it's even more important to, uh, get the virtual selling done right. You know, years ago, the salesperson was looked at as a source of income. If a person wanted to buy something, he reached out to the salesperson. Salesperson told them what's going on in the marketplace, their product features, price. They were educating them. Nowadays, it doesn't exist. You know, the premise of mistrust for salespeople has reached a point, and now with the Internet, where if you want to buy something, you have no desire to speak to the salesperson. You look at the website. You look at rankings. You decide yourself what product you want to buy. And it's only if the product is presented poorly do you have to speak to the salesperson to get a price quote or a better understanding of what's going on. But in general, it's really the marketing and the advertising that presents products now. It's no longer the salesperson selling. So uh, that paradigm is shifting. It becomes even more important that the salesperson becomes a problem solver and a consultant. You know, I, you know, we, we've talked about bait and switch. It used to be a bigger deal. I remember, you know, it, it was a bigger deal uh, years ago when, you know, they would advertise a price for something and they would say, oh gosh, I'm all out. Right. And then they would sell you something else. Right. But there's a new form of bait and switch now that I have noticed. Like people will say, I, you know, they'll say I've sold, you know, this company, this company, this company, this company, all these things, you know, and, um, I can get you the same thing as them. And then when you actually talk to them, right, what they're doing is they're selling you something completely different than what they're telling you that they're doing. I just had somebody who said, you know, I can get you, I can get you these high dollar coaching clients, right. And they started listing for me, um, all these high, these coaching clients that they quote unquote said that they got for other coaches, right? So I went to go question them further because I knew it was not real, right? And I said, well, let me put me in touch with them. Well, all of a sudden they can't put me in touch with them, right? Yes. Right. I said, well, let me talk to them and find out how they're, you know, how they're doing. Oh, I can't do that. Well, it's because, you know, I've never. That's the new bait and switch now is that we're seeing yes. emails, we're seeing direct messages that are telling people, this is all the wonderful things that we do, but then when we get there, it's not so wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I had it just yesterday. I went to join a seminar. Uh, it was a summit meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of good business speakers uh, all over the emails, free, 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 free. Right, right. You know, and then um, I go to sign up, and I can't click on free. All they're trying to sell me is a $50 entrance fee. Right. So then I get access to these $10,000 worth of papers and articles. And uh, <laughs> it just kept scrolling pages and pages and pages. And all it was is $47, only $47, right, only $47. Right. And there was no place to click on free. So I actually had to bounce off. Um, it it basically is the same thing. It's uh, It's a bait and switch. They lured me in with the word free. But yet I couldn't click on. It just didn't exist. 
Um, so, and you're right that that's completely all over the place. I mean, just yesterday, my son got an email uh, where somebody wanted small business wanted to give him uh, Amazon thirty dollar gift certificate right. if he did a, a five star ranking right. rating on their product. Right. Um, so he said, "Dad, is that ethical?" Uh, I said, "No." I said, "It could be ethical." If they said, you know, here's a thirty dollar gift certificate, rank it any way you want to rank it. Right. Then at least there was something to speak about. It could be a little bit of gray, but it wasn't completely unethical. Um, it, it's all over. It, it's it's literally it's happening everywhere. It's luring. It's bait and switch. It's it's the way it was in biblical times. It it hasn't changed. Just the vehicle is different. So this is where on page thirty seven you say something that I think is absolutely brilliant. You say it's no longer let the buyer beware, but let the seller beware. It is the seller's responsibility to be honest and transparent. Elaborate more on that. Yeah, we kind of grew up with caviar emptor. The Latin term was let the buyer beware. And you felt like wherever you had to go, you had to know what was going on. If not, some salesperson was going to uh, hurt you. Uh, so the key in selling ethically is to build the ethical premise of the salesperson. It's the salesperson's responsibility to inform the buyer um, through full disclosure, through being honest, through not slandering the competitor. Uh, when the seller bewares, then the buyer has a level of trust. And that's how you improve the buyer-seller relationship. So that is the premise. The book is about the book is about improving uh, a seller's ability to be ethical. That's not saying a buyer has no responsibility. Right. You know, nowadays people are going to buy through Amazon because they're so inexpensive. But you might feel very comfortable going into a camera store and taking a salesperson's time to learn all the technical aspects with no intention of buying from that store. Right. When I do that, I'm very upfront where I'm going into that store and I'm telling the salesperson, the camera store, you know, I need to be relatively close to the price I can buy it online. If your price can be relatively close, I will pay you for your added provided service, but I'm not going to pay you 30 or 40% more. Right. So I'll bring it right up front. Uh, so the, uh, the buyer also has to have concern mm. about the seller's time. You know what? That's really interesting. You have another book, I think, ready to come out called Ethical Buying. Because that's really an ethical buyer that you just described there, right? I mean, because ethically, that's the right thing to do. The, the ethically right thing to do is to tell the merchant up front, look, I, look I, I'm going to probably buy this online unless you can, you know, be a little closer, but I need to learn about this product, right? I mean, that's, that's really ethical buying. You know, how many times have we heard in the sales, in different sales meetings, have you heard buyers are liars? Right? Have you heard that? Right? Yes, All buyers, are, right? All buyers are liars. Right? That's what, what that's what we hear sometimes in sales uh, presentations. But the truth of the matter is, even though yes, the seller needs to be transparent and upfront, and and the buyers do too. Right? Doesn't it work both ways? Very much. Very yeah. much. Your buyer needs to be uh, upfront, but but the stress needs to be on the seller. Yeah. You know, the responsibility really needs to be on the seller. Uh, you know, in, in terms of a buyer and that even um, from from an ethical point of view, if a seller doesn't even know the value of what they're selling, let's say it's a flea market right. and a buyer is more educated, 
from a high level ethical point of view, you shouldn't even take advantage of the seller. You should make that seller aware of the fact that right. he's selling something extremely valuable and he doesn't understand. You know, that's really going beyond the spirit of the law. Right. Um, but 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 that's something you you look to try to achieve. You may not be able to do it right away. On page 60 uh, in chapter six of the book, you say the seller must attempt to know the buyer and uncover their true intentions. What do you mean when you say that? Well, buyers have um, needs and requirements, and, and many times uh, they don't feel comfortable providing it to a seller because they feel the seller is going to abuse uh, that particular need and take advantage of the sales situation. So from a seller's point of view, you have to softly probe and find out what the person really wants. When you uh, provide those type of questions, you're developing an empathy and the buyer can sense that. And then the true value comes out. You start to really understand what the person is, uh, what the person needs. And then sometimes you do walk away from the sale. Sometimes your product just doesn't fit the buyer's needs. Although it hurts uh, a short-term gain, it's a long-term win because uh, after the buyer finally can appreciate the initial shock, that you're recommending, a salesperson's recommending someone else's product, uh, you own that buyer because he, he'll trust you for life after that. And you may forsake one short sale, but you're going to get a big long-term relationship. You know, you, you've mentioned now several times in, in our conversation here about the word empathy. And, you know, as, as a psychological professional, we talk about empathy and a lot, but, you know, I don't know that that word is used frequent enough or maybe even understood enough in the sales and marketing arena. How would you define really when it comes to empathy towards a buyer? How would you how would you define that for folks? Or how would how would that look maybe practically? I think the most practical is you have to uh, walk in that person's shoes. You know, you have to really understand uh, what the person's thinking and feeling. And the only way to do that is to get out of the I. So they have an I and a thou, an I and a we. <laughs> um, you have to negate your I because as long as you have an I, as long as you have that focus on self-centeredness, the focus on meeting your commission, uh, meeting your quota, you're not going to get out of your I. So mm. what the person is saying, you're not really going to be hearing. You're re really not going to be empathizing because all you're playing in your head is – I want to sell. What do I need to do? What's the next objection? How do I overcome it? Rather than listening to what the person's saying and understanding and empathizing what the person really needs from you. Mm. Uh, when you can do that, when you can walk in their shoes, uh, then you form the long-term relationship. And then you will have the ability to satisfy that person with your product or with someone else's product, but you will build the relationship and that's a long-term growth. So empathy is, is understanding, truly understanding what the person wants, becoming a we, and negating your I. You know what? I, I I love that, first of all, because I think what happens is is we get so panicked at times in the sales process that we push so hard to make a sale that we don't take the time to really understand who's sitting in front of us. And, Agreed. And then what happens is you know what, we may have made the sale, but they really aren't happy. And then we wonder why they're not happy. 
when we go, well, they bought from us. Why, why aren't they happy? Well, it's because you, you may have been able to convince them or persuade them to buy the product, but you really didn't understand why they really needed the product. And that's, that's fundamentally two different things, isn't it? Yes, quite a lot. And, you know, gifted salespeople, um, I consider myself uh, a good salesperson. We have the ability to uh, manipulate with fear, uh, intimidation, and uh, it's a very strong motive. You know, when you uh, when you find somebody's pain points, which is what you need to do in sales, mm. then you have the ability to alleviate those pain points or you can stick your thumb in the pain points and make it worse. Mm-hmm. And, and through that level, you could make a sale. So um, surely you can make a sale by um, addressing a person's pain points and fear, but that's the kind of manipulation you don't want. You want to sell soft. That doesn't mean you're not persuasive and it doesn't mean Mm. you're not aggressive. It just means that um, you're not going to hurt somebody through pain. His name is Joel Malkoff. Uh, The book is called Selling Ethically, a business parable connecting integrity with profits. And uh, it's outstanding. And you're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, everybody, listen, you know what? Uh, New Direction, right? Our sponsors, right? Epic Physical Therapy. Can I tell you something that's so cool about them? I've been to their facility and, well, they've got three now. uh, And I got to tell you, they offer some of the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment that's out there. I'm just, I'm just telling you. One of them is the the Alter G anti gravity treadmill, right? It takes all the pressure off your joints so that you can still run and everything's really cool. There's the Normatec compression sleeves that actually put compression on your joints so that all of a sudden you feel like, oh my gosh, my joints don't hurt anymore. And then there's the Game Ready, which is this ice cold compression uh, that can just oh, takes the swelling right out of your body. It's amazing. I love it. Look, they are trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting edge treatments available. Some of them that I have used, like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, um, cupping are just a few. But th- listen, they have a variety of cutting edge treatments. They're certified. They're awesome. And you know what? When you're ready for epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, there's nowhere else to start. Start where the professionals go. Start where they're going to take care of you. Start at Epic Physical Therapy. You can learn more by going to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C. PT.com and Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You know what? For 35 years, they have been leading their industry when it comes to real estate. And, you know, she has been amazing over this 35 year period because she started in 1985 when interest rates were 18% and she was still selling homes, right? I mean, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. And 35 years, she's been able to stay atop. Most companies don't make it that long, right? Why? Well, it's because it's about relationships. It's about understanding that the home is more than uh, just some place to live. It actually contains a whole bunch of your memories as well. And, you know, the truth of the matter is she wanted to deliver on, deliver on everything that she said she was going to deliver on. And that was that she was going to be a person uh, that was going to be responsible to their people, that she wanted to develop a real relationship that would last a lifetime. And you know what? She still has her first clients that still come and see her 35 years later. Pretty amazing. So, you know. That's why her clients call her, you know what, a legend, the legend uh, when it comes to real estate of customer service. So why not check out Linda Craft and her team? It's really easy. Just go to lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction. Uh, we are talking with Joel Malkoff, author of Selling Ethically, A Business Parable Connecting Integrity with Profits. Uh, it's available 
Amazon bookstores near you. It's a fantastic read. Uh, it, you'll 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 breeze through it because you won't be able to put it down. It's it's really that good. I just couldn't put it down. I picked it up and I couldn't put it down. It was so much fun to read. I really enjoyed it and ended up pulling a lot of things that just kind of were eye opening and made me really think about you know even as I coach people you know what you know the right thing when it comes to ethics and sales and even marketing by the way. Uh, sometimes our marketing is not very good. We, you've heard us talk about bait and switch and those type of things, but sometimes we do uh, use our marketing to uh, manipulate. Um, especially one of the things you said that you just before we went on break, you, you, you actually took that from chapter seven. I think it was page eighty-one or so, where you said we should never manipulate a buyer by their fears. That's un, unethical. An effective salesperson can be persuasive and, easy, and even forceful, but never manipulative. Um, I, I found that to be really refreshing because I don't think people really understand that, you know, using fear, right? I mean, think about what we're using right now. FOMO, fear of missing out. How many times have you seen that on commercials? Don't, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out on this, fear of missing out on that. We're trying to, we try to prey on people's fears. And ultimately, it is manipulative, isn't it? So very, very effective to uh, sell with fear. Uh, but it's a short-term win. Yeah, I, 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 I think, though, I think, though, I think people default to it so easy, don't you? That it's just kind of a default mechanism that salespeople go to? I think so. I think it's just a, it's a closing uh, action. People feel comfortable uh, closing by um, by fear. It's uh, it's one of the top closing factors. It's it's extremely unethical, uh, but it does work. Uh, people uh, people respond most to their fears. So I think that's where um, the golden rule is, where you wouldn't want that to be done to you. So why would you want to do it to someone else? Um, and you could see it in a person's face. You can see when you're manipulating right. with fear. Um, the same way you can see a certain glow when you're selling with fairness and goodness. Right. Uh, and you're being honest and you have a high degree of integrity. One of the things you talk about in Chapter 9, and you say your beliefs can create flaws in your character. And your beliefs of what you think success is or is not will dictate how far you're willing to, willing to go when it comes to unethically. Talk a little bit more about that. I think when um, when your primary goal in sales is uh, money, um, you're never really going to uh, achieve that goal. Um, as it says biblically, you know, if you have 100, you're going to want two. If you have 200, you're going to want four. So if your goal is only to make money, it's, uh, it's very narrow. In a good buyer-seller relationship, your goal should be building relationships. And uh, as the Asian term would say, if you do the right thing, the money will follow. Mm. So uh, the key really at this point is to uh, create good business relationships by improving integrity and, and building trust. And then you will achieve profit. I think one of the things that you point out in this book was that you had to reevaluate your idea of what success was. right? Because I think what we do is we attach you know, some sort of monetary value to this is what success looks like. But that that's really, it's not really all about money, is it? 
No, but I started out that way. I mean, when I started my business career, that was my benchmark. That's how I proved I was successful or not. Um, that's how I showed I was better than other people. Mm. It was all about uh, acquiring money and, and showing uh, my money in terms of uh, clothes, cars, jewelry, uh, whatever. As I became more ethical, I started to realize that that wasn't the yardstick. The yardstick was really building relationships and having good buyer-seller relationships, getting repeat business, getting larger orders, getting referrals. Uh, when that was achieved, the money would follow. So um, I don't have a disregard for money. I'm in sales. It's a right. big part of what I'm doing. Sure. But um, I do it as um, it happens because I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, let's 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 dig a little bit deeper into this here because let's connect the money to the ethics. All right, because I think I think so many people th- believe that somehow there has to be some sort of manipulation in order to make money in sales. And I think there's tons of salespeople out there who believe that you know I can't be completely transparent because if I'm completely transparent, you know that's going to hurt me getting the sale, and I need to make a sale now. But the truth of the matter is, it's a long-term game, isn't it? So let's talk about how we connect yes. ethics to to to. It's also a sales technique. Um, you know, you have to give full disclosure, and you want to provide full disclosure in a timely way. So um, you don't you don't wish to shoot yourself in the foot by speaking entirely about all the negativities of your product right up front. Um, from an ethical point of view you are allowed to present your product in the most favorable way. You just can't present it in a, in a misleading way. Mm. And before the sale is closed, you have to provide full disclosure. So example, you know, in my book, if you have a product that's used and you want to make it look better, um, you surely can do that. Your goal in sales as a company is to present your product the best way it can, but you can't make um, a used product look new. Mm-hmm. That's misleading. Uh, so, example, if you're showing uh, a house to someone, if you're a real estate person, if the house has bad plumbing, you want to put that up front. But uh, if there's something obvious in a in a house and it's not a structural thing, you see cracks in the paint and things like that, you don't need to point that all out to uh, a potential buyer. You need to present it the best way you can. Uh, and then uh, before it's all over, you can point out all the uh, Achilles heels. Um, so the key is to be able to present your product in a persuasive way, but not be misleading. So you have to create this balance of full disclosure. It it doesn't have to be dumping everything up front. You know, so there's a sales technique to that. Yeah. So you know, this is this is the piece though. I think that people may miss. And that is that the more honest I am, the more the more trust that I'm building. And not only am I building trust, you know, right now, but it's it's for the future, right? You know, we you know people will say, I, I, you know, salespeople will say to me things like that. Well, you know, I'm just trying to keep my pipeline full. Well, you want to keep your pipeline full? Be ethical. Exactly. I mean, right? Am I wrong on that? I mean, if I mean exactly. the, the fastest way to make sure that you have future business. Is to be ethical. And the fastest way to fill your pipeline is with repeat business and referrals. Mm. You know, that's the easiest way to to grow your sales pipeline because mm. that 
that clearly is the way you build your sales funnel. And from a business point of view, it's so much less expensive in advertising and promotion to sell existing customers than it is to try to ferret out and find new customers. That's a very, very expensive process. I just had a thought. I just want to hear your thoughts. It kind of is an offshoot of the book, but I just had a thought. You know, when people say that, you know, I'm trustworthy, I'm ethical, but they're not getting referrals business, is that a red flag or at least an orange flag that says maybe you're not as ethical as you think you are? Yes, I, I personally think it's an orange flag. I think anyone that blows their own horn, you know, and says, I have integrity, I have ethics, right. uh, that's a red flag to me because people that have integrity and ethics, they don't need to say that. And in essence, <laughs> people that have integrity and ethics, you know, they probably feel that they, they're not at the highest level of integrity and ethics. Right. Right. You know, I come from right. New York, so uh, one of the key things was, you know, trust me. And it became a joke. You know, <laughs> right, the person right. would pat you on the back, say, trust me. And if you were from New York, you would realize that person was lo- looking for a soft spot right. to stick a knife in. Right. So uh, it people that say, trust me, when my salespeople will say something like, uh, you can trust me, or let me be honest with you, I immediately tell my, my salesperson, never say that because – if you were the buyer, you would say something like, no, you can keep on lying to me. I don't mind. Mm. You know, you don't say things like you can trust me. And because you need to replace a habit with another habit, a better habit, I would train my salespeople to say things like, let me be frank mm. instead of you can trust me or mm. let me be honest with you. Mm. You know, those are the worst things a salesperson could ever say. Right. And I think that fits into what you're saying right now mm. where you're saying, you know, I have integrity. You have integrity, you don't need to blow your own horn. Let's talk about a big issue that you bring up on page 115, and it's called making amends for past unethical behavior. How far do we go? What's the right thing to do? Um, I think from a spiritual point of view, it's uh, it's actually asking for repentance, um, and you're doing that to your creator. But from a business point of view, uh, when you do something wrong, it's it's very very important to uh, uh, fester up to it. You'll never you'll never go wrong telling a customer that you did something wrong and you apologize because even even if you pay that penance at the beginning and the person doesn't want to do business with you, down the line it's the right thing to do. You did the right thing for yourself, and sooner or later that customer will realize it. And you might even have a better chance, although that customer may not do business with you. If somebody asks about you, that customer is going to turn around and say, well, yes, I mean, it was something that I really didn't like, but he was honest. He was frank. He came back to me. You know, he told me that he felt I did a mistake. Uh, So I think you can approach it on a personal level and on a business level, and it will succeed in both cases. Joel, we've been on for an hour. Um, it has been, this has been a blast. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. Same here. The, so, the, so the show is called a new direction because we help people try to find a new direction in you know, life careers, business, all three and success and leadership. If you could leave the listeners with a new direction based on selling ethically, what would Joel Malkoff, uh, what would his new direction be? I would, I would love if, um, sellers can develop a relationship with buyers where there's mutual trust 
And to me, that would that would go over the whole marketplace. That would affect everything in the world. So if ethics can jump up a notch, um, if salespeople can be um, sell ethically, buyers will appreciate that and the level of trust in the world will just increase in the marketplace. And the business environment is the driving force of the world. So that would be my goal. He's awesome. His name is Joel Malkoff. The book is entitled Selling Ethically, a Business Parable Connecting Integrity with Profits. And he's been great, right, folks? You know what I say to you every week, right? It's this. You know what? Be inspired because when you're inspired, that means that you will inspire others. And in turn, when they're inspired, that means that they will inspire other people and that will make this world a great place. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest, with another great book. We're going to have another great show. (laughs) I promise you we will. And you know what? As I say to you every week, ciao, everybody. Got to keep your hope alive. You got to know you can survive. This is your time to find a new direction, a brand new day. A new direction, things are gonna change. You can find the strength to go a different way. Your dreams will take